What's up, everybody? It's episode 30 of MacBook Pro, and I feel like I kind of owe you guys an apology. I have not made myself as available as I would have liked to have over the past few weeks, and honestly do not feel like I've had the headspace to sit down and record these podcasts. One of the struggles of sitting down without a fixed plan is that If I don't feel like I have something to say, then I will either have to force it, which I did already in episode 30, which I did not release. That was a a week and a half ago or so. Um, Or I just have to kind of wait until I feel like I have something of value to say. I know that this is, uh, you know, probably not the most ideal system, but it does keep things feeling flexible and fun and easy. And I'm going to try in the future to incorporate a little bit more planning, maybe, um, to see if that has like a positive impact on the podcast or not. Uh, So there have been some recent developments in my life, um, really positive stuff, but just some changes nevertheless. Uh, One of the changes is that I'm now in a a new relationship, uh, which is really cool. I haven't been in a relationship since... I guess, September of last year. And this is the first, uh, like, non-COVID-impacted relationship since, like, 20... since the beginning of 2020. So, yeah. I guess you can say it's the first relationship that started uh, without having COVID lockdown looming. And I think it's important to, to bring that up because... I know a lot of people that got into relationships during COVID. I almost said because of COVID, uh, but I do think that COVID played a pretty big role in a lot of people's decision to settle down and to get married or to, you know, commit to someone. And I was in a relationship at the beginning of COVID, at the very beginning. Uh, but I was only only in a relationship for the first two months of COVID or a month and a half because I was in a relationship with this girl in New York and then we, yeah, I I decided that I was going to move to Berlin. We stayed together, but within a week and a half of being in Berlin during lockdown without her being able to travel here um, and I had already known Um, that I wasn't going to really want to continue it. I just felt in my heart that it wasn't right. It ended. So I got into one more relationship during COVID, but it was like last year. And it was from the winter until, until like the very beginning of fall. So yeah, Uh, it's been a while. I think relationships are really beautiful, but just like any other major decision, I think it's always important to like think things through and do some work on yourself. So I always try to do work on myself 
while I'm in relationships, but also directly after relationships, um, what I do is I always try to distill certain lessons from a recently ended relationship. And I try not to pull punches because you're only, you're really only hurting yourself if you, if you lie to yourself about why things ended. So if, if there are certain memories that you have with a person and maybe you behaved in a way that you're ashamed of, or you said, you know, you said or did something that, um, might have accelerated it ending, uh, in a, in a way that was not favorable for not fair to the other person or favorable for you. You know, you just have to be aware of those situations. Um, what I do is when relationships end, I, I like something that I've developed, I guess, over the past few years is a mindset where once it ends, it just needs to kind of end. So if, if, if it ever does come to a point where the relationship is over, it just needs to stay over because I've made the mistake in the past of getting back together with people thinking that it was going to be different. And while it definitely does feel different for the first two hours after that, it's so easy to just fall back into like the same patterns and, you know, within like a very short period of time, start to resent yourself again. But I was super lucky with my last relationship because I had uh, friends who I have friends still, luckily, um, but I had friends who were very supportive and it was obvious that they wanted me to do what was in my best interest. And they knew my ex and yeah, no, none of them were really fighting for me to get back together with her. I think that's a, a fun thing. Not a fun thing. I don't know why I said fun. I think that's something interesting that we don't always take into consideration when we feel like we're in love with someone or when we're just like, you know, excited about something, but how our friends respond to our girlfriends or boyfriends, whatever, it says a lot about that person objectively. It maybe it doesn't hold as much weight on like a friend by friend basis. So if only one of your friends gives feedback on your you know, current boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe that's um, statistically insignificant or just like not worth really considering. But if you have two or three or four or five of your friends and they're like, you know, not that pumped about the person that you're in a relationship with, then I think it's probably time to actually consider ending it. If you think about it, your friends are friends with you. Hopefully if they're good friends, they're friends with you because they, they love you as a person. And they enjoy spending time with you. And if you're in a relationship with somebody who brings out a part of you that is like not, maybe to put it differently, if you're in a relationship with somebody who puts out the light or who dampens your spirits or like makes you less you, then your friends are going to respond to that. So if you're hanging out with your friends and you just never really seem to be in a good mood anymore. Your friends are going to pick up on it. And if you have conversations about your um, significant other with them, they're going to, you know, get insight into the relationship because you're probably going to share things 
even if you don't explicitly say that you're not happy or that they're not the right person for you, maybe just the way that you describe things or like talk about what you did um, with them over the weekend, for instance, will shed some light or give a hint to the state of the relationship. When I was in my first relationship in high school, I used to tell my friend all the time about my girlfriend and, you know, the pain that I was going through being with her because we weren't technically boyfriend and girlfriend. We weren't exclusive. We were just in love and telling each other that we loved each other. And that's because I wanted a relationship and she didn't. But the, the lesson that I learned there is that if you go to your friends and you tell them everything that's wrong with your relationship, the first time that you do that, they are going to be all ears if they really love you. They're going to listen to everything you have to say. They're going to give you thoughtful feedback. But once you disregard their feedback and you just use them as a sounding board all the time, they will eventually come to you and say, hey, you've literally said the same thing every time that we've spoken about this. Nothing's changing. So either let's not talk about this anymore or take my advice because I'm not going to just be your therapist. And what's also really tricky is that sometimes as a friend, you won't, because you want your friend to be happy, you'll, you'll, you'll help them. You'll, you'll actually like guide them in a way, um, to improve their life. And sometimes that could mean that you tell your friend who, when they ask for it, of course, not just like randomly, but if they ask like, Hey, um, I'm not really happy with Victoria. What do you think I should do? Should I end it? And then you eventually together come to the conclusion that maybe that relationship is not serving you very well. If you end it and then you get back together with that person, it's going to be weird with your friends. It's going to be fucking weird. It always happens that way because when what happens with a lot of people, I think, is like if they end the relationship with, the, with their partner, they need to, if they want to get back together, they need to explain why the relationship was ended. And I think it's an easy explanation to say that, yeah, I spoke to so-and-so and then I got confused and, you know, I didn't know what to do and that's why I ended the relationship. But how do you think your significant other is going to feel about your friend after you tell them that part of the reason you ended the relationship was that you had a conversation with them about it? First of all, your significant other is going to think that you and your friend are talking shit about them or that they just don't like you and they're trying to poison the well. And how do you think your friend is going to feel about your, your, your ex who's now your partner again? It just makes things super strange. I've also had it happen where like a friend asked me for advice. I gave him advice. He broke up with his girlfriend. Uh, and then he was weird towards me because he felt like I ruined his relationship somehow. And I was pretty much just only operating on the information that he gave me. I liked his girlfriend. She was really cool, but he was just like being super flaky about everything and non-committal. And it was obvious to me that he was miserable. And so I just answered the questions that he asked me honestly. Um, but that was a lesson to learn. So yeah, that's why I do work on myself now and not, you know, I don't ask my friends for their permission to date somebody or their permission to break up with somebody. 
Um, once you've kind of gotten a handle on the biggest problems that you have experienced in past relationships, then you will start to recognize those patterns in new relationships. And hopefully when you are presented with a decision, you'll make the right one. Because if you don't make the right one and you just do the same thing you did the last time, most likely you will end up in the same place as before. Now, I don't want to just like, you know, talk broadly about this and, you know, just beat around the bush or give like useless advice. So I'll try to keep this as personal as I can and, and have it apply to like real world situations. Um, something that I had done in the past that I did not want to carry with me into the future was setting boundaries. Because if you don't set proper boundaries with people, then you kind of don't really have the ability later on um, to carve them in the same way that you would have in the beginning. So if you think about it, boundaries are kind of like, boundaries are kind of like clay. The kind of clay that if you don't touch it for a while, it solidifies. I don't know if you guys, that, that, that exists, right? That exists. So think of, uh, or it's, it's wet cement. That's a better example. Boundaries are wet cement. When it's wet, it's really easy to, you know, um, to mold into the way that you need it to be. It's, it's very easy to set boundaries in the beginning because people are not emotionally invested yet. And it's also very fair to do that, to say, Hey, um, on Sundays between the hours of like three and six, I join uh, I, like I'm in a small group of people. We're in a cult. It's not a cult, actually. Anyway, don't ask me questions about that. From three to six, I will be with my cult buddies, and we will do a ceremony, and then I'm free after that. If that's like how you set boundaries, yeah, it's obviously a joke, but do it in the beginning makes it so much easier than waiting until the honeymoon phase is over and then being like, by the way, Sundays are off limits. Um, and you give the other person the chance to kind of make decisions. Like I've heard of people that are in relationships with super busy people. Um, like if you're in a relationship with an athlete, for instance, they might have practice like every single day. Uh, and they might have like meetings with their team and stuff like that. And, you know, if no offense, but like if they have to make a decision between their career and their relationship, I would imagine in most cases they would choose their career because being an athlete is how they identify and they've already had to give up so much. It's such a big risk already to be an athlete. The same goes for like if you're a high-performing CEO or something like that. You are identifying as a business leader and there are going to be certain sacrifices that you are kind of inherently willing to make. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have a family and be a CEO or be an athlete, but you do you do need to sacrifice a lot um, for stuff like that. And I think setting boundaries is just a really good way to make sure that if you are in that kind of camp, that your partner is at least aware of what they're getting themselves into. And it probably doesn't hurt if you have a lot of money and can just um, you know, buy them a new car every six months. Yeah, obviously joking. Uh, so yeah, you know, for me, setting boundaries was a huge one. And then communication in general has always been kind of a 
shortcoming of mine. But um, something that I realized during during dating in Berlin is that people tend to prefer really honest and direct communication, even if you're communicating something that's not great, like not favorable. So if you break up with someone, it's so much better to just be direct and to have like a reason. And as long as you've made up your mind, hopefully you don't break up with people without making up your mind first, um, not getting back together with them, I think is one of the best things that you can do. Um, if you're going to go that route, just be direct and be definitive. So yeah, I think when I first started this podcast, you know, it was kind of a different time in my life. Um, winter times tend to be very productive for me. Um, I'm quite reclusive when it gets cold and I think this particular winter was it was eye-opening because it was the first time since I started probably actually just the first time that I've ever seriously considered starting my own company and I've thought about it in the past but I never took steps towards really doing it I had a side business while I was at Google but I wasn't going to leave Google for that and moving to Berlin was like one of the best things that's happened to me because it kind of broke me out of the golden handcuffs where I had, you know, I had Google stock and I had all of these like incredible benefits and a pretty secure job and was making a lot of money. But I felt like I was trapped because even though I had all of this great stuff, I didn't actually like the work that I was doing on a day-to-day basis. And it made me feel really empty inside when I would think about having work on Monday. And it wasn't emptiness like dread, I mean, sometimes it was, but like, it was more just like indifference where I would just think, ah, uh, okay, I guess I, I guess I go to work tomorrow. And now that I've like made the decision this past winter to be self-employed and to just have my own company, I feel so grateful because I feel alive, but I also feel all of the other emotions that come with it. And there was a, a pretty strong period of time, I would say about a week or a week and a half where even though I'm not an anxious person by any means, I was having trouble sleeping. It felt like I was being suffocated while I was asleep sometimes. And I just like had all this pressure on me. And I was, you know, just so worried, like what's going to happen if this doesn't go well and all this other stuff. But what I realized is that the one skill that I possess, the one skill that I'm like more confident in than any of the other skills that I have is my sales ability. And that is like probably the most important skill that I could have for generating new business for my, for my new company. So even if, you know, let's just say that I didn't have sales skills, but I had like really like one amazing technical skill or some, you know, set of skills that would make me a killer marketer or something like that. It wouldn't really make a huge difference, right? Unless I knew how how to actually get in front of people and sell them and persuade them. So that is uh, something that I'm super confident in is my ability to my ability to sell and my ability um, to deliver on the services that I'm going to be offering my clients. And you know, 
I, I kind of started this channel, I think, because I wanted to prove to people that you don't have to be afraid to be vulnerable. I used to be really afraid of anything that I would put out on the internet because I was afraid of what other people would think of me. And I don't have Instagram and I don't have Facebook, but I used to. I used to also have Snapchat and you know, I was always like really conservative with like the kinds of stuff that I would put out there. Um, I think Snapchat was the one that I was like maybe the most confident in because, it, you know, you could draw on, on pictures and stuff. So I would always draw on pictures in a really funny way. I'd give myself like a giant mustache. I would do like silly stuff. But um, one time I was at a party and... I was in my hometown and this kid that I hadn't seen since high school came up to me. It, it had been like two or three years. And he was like, hey man, I've been watching your snap stories, man. They're hysterical. Like keep going, keep doing it. And it was so weird because I had never thought that A, people were actually watching them. I knew that they were, but I never thought that they would recognize that they were watching them. I kind of just thought it was like they would click it and then forget about it. And the other thing is that I realized that I actually had like an impact on the world. And that was really strange for me because I had never really felt that way in the past. I'd kind of always felt like the influence I had was indirect. I've always known that I was good at getting attention. Um, you know, I've always had eyeballs on me. It's probably because I talk really loudly. And because I do, and because I say uh, the, the things that are on my mind, I don't hold back. And also because I just do weird shit. But that was the first time where I ever realized, oh shit, I actually do have a real impact on people in my life. Uh, even people that I don't talk to. And so when I created the podcast, my idea was I wanted to give people a confidence that I had developed over the winter to just do and say the things that they wanted to do and say online and and to just help them be like more authentic versions of themselves because when you're trapped inside your own brain and you feel like you're you're going to be judged for releasing something online it can feel like you're kind of in a prison of your own design because you are literally you're kind of like You're assuming that people are going to react a certain way to the things that you do. So you are literally creating the conditions of this prison and then saying that there is something that you want to do, but you won't do it because you have this fear. So you're pretty much just creating rules around how you share your story authentically and that makes me sad because I know that there are a lot of people out there that are really funny, that have like great stories, they're great in like small groups or one-on-one, -on -one, but they just don't have the confidence to just like be themselves and to let other people judge them. I know for a fact at this, at this point that people that I'm friends with have listened to my podcast in a group and, you know, w whatever their reaction was, I cannot control it. So if they just listened to the podcast and shit talked, or if they listened to the podcast and enjoyed it, I don't, I don't know. And I couldn't control it. And it doesn't really matter 
because even if, let's just say, like grand scheme, even if by me having this podcast, I burn bridges with every single one of my friends and every single one of my family members. But I did it because I enjoyed doing it and I felt fulfilled when I was putting the podcast out. Well, those consequences of not having friends or family for the rest of my life would only last for the rest of my life. And the rest of my life could be a day, it could be a year, it could be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, who knows. Uh, I don't have any control over you know, how people respond to the things that I do and say. I can only control the things that I do and say. And I knew for me it was really important that I would have some kind of creative outlet where I'd be able to put my actual thoughts out there for people. So, you know, this winter I kind of was like in the lab, in, in quotes, in the lab. Just, you know, creating just um, a format that made sense for me, that made me feel good every single time that I would hit publish. And so if you're listening to this and you also kind of have your own ideas of like creative pursuits that you want, just remember, you only have the rest of your life to deal with the consequences that you create. And I'm not telling, I'm not encouraging people to like destroy their lives. But what I am saying is like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to you? Do you really think that you're going to be the laughing stock of your friends? I would argue that in most cases, if you put if you put yourself out there authentically and you tell your story the way that you need it to be told, people will respect you. People will admire that you have the the audacity to speak in a crowded world. And I really doubt that they're going to shun you from the friend group just because you say how you feel about things. Now, I'm not I'm not advocating for people who you don't want to incite violence or use hate speech or something like that. But like, if you are somebody who has recipes and you want to create a website with the recipes from your, you know, grandma, and that's like just a creative project for you that would make you feel fulfilled, then why not do that? Why, why do you have to be why do you have to like apply rules to something that is like so like wholesome and so like clearly spiritual? Why do, why do you have to confine it to the same rules that we have to like live by when we're driving down the street? So that's, I guess my only thought there is just, you know, things seem really scary until you start doing them and then you realize like I'm doing it. Like every time that I'm done with an episode and I hit publish, it's like, it's done. There's really not really, (laughs) that was not great English. I don't very often have the feeling that I shouldn't hit publish on a podcast. I have had it happen a couple of times where I've started a podcast and I've gotten 10 minutes in and then realized, you know, I either don't really like the way that this is coming out or... I don't think it's the right time, but I haven't really had it happen yet where I publish it and then I don't want it up anymore. And I would just be, 
I guess like aware that, you know, you, you will eventually reach a stage where you can just like put things out and you don't really think about it anymore. And you can kind of just go on with the rest of your life. So that's something I would definitely encourage. And anyway, like this was a pretty long aside, I guess, uh, you know, going into this direction and then kind of like if we move back to the original topic, it was about like being in a relationship for the first time in a while. You know, it it is really amazing because relationships, if you're with the right person, they can kind of unlock a part of you that might have been stuck for a while or that you didn't know was there. Um, but I, I still think that like a lot of work needs to be done in the relationship and it's not necessarily work on the relationship because that kind of has this connotation that things aren't going well and you now need to fix it or it won't work unless you're, you know, treating it like it's a job, but yourself, that's the, that's the project that you need to work on during the relationship. You need to always just continue improving and not settling for mediocrity. If you feel like there are things in a relationship that don't go the way that you want them to go, it's always helpful to just like point the finger back at yourself first and ask yourself if you feel like you're doing everything that you can to fix the situation or to make it the best that it can be. And if not, then you can start to evaluate other circumstances um, that might be leading there. So yeah, just some, some food for thought, I guess. So as I mentioned, you know, there, there have just been some other things um, going on recently. I think one of the things that's kind of made it more difficult to podcast recently is just with warmer weather comes more opportunities to uh, engage in shenanigans. And especially in a city like Berlin, where six months out of the year, it's extremely gray. Having the sun out is a complete game changer. All of the buildings look prettier. The nature is more enhanced. And people are just generally friendlier. So there's just a lot more to do here. Um, But that being said, you know, I've also been thinking about other topics recently, such as AI and its effect on society and just the population in general. And I listened to this uh, YouTube interview yesterday. Um, I'm going to pull it up. I think it's with Stephen Bartlett. And let's see. Yeah, so... The episode is called Emergency Episode. Ex-Google Officer Finally Speaks Out on the Dangers of AI. And it is uh, the diary of a CEO. I think it's Stephen Bartlett. And the ex-Google, I think he was the um, chief business officer of Google X. His name was Mo Godot. He's just speaking out about... AI and the way that the U.S. government and tech companies in general are um, kind of like rolling out AI and dealing with it and not necessarily like taking into consideration the wide-reaching consequences of it before, you know, making it completely 
accessible to the public. And I just thought it was very interesting because like on one hand, we are the closest that we've ever been to having a utopia where we might not actually have to do work in the future that we don't want to engage in. But on the other hand, you know, society is going to change very rapidly in a short period of time. And it also feels like we, you know, we have like some pretty unprecedented circumstances in the world right now where we're kind of like reaching this point that it seems like we reach or that we've reached a couple of times in the 20th century and have been reached before in past centuries as well in the United States and Europe. And that is like this cycle where um, we have like prosperity for a specific period of time, prosperity and peace in quotations, meaning that we're not at all out war. Maybe we have, maybe as the United States, maybe we have a war that's going on overseas, but it's more of kind of like a, um, I don't know how to put this, more of like a, it's more of an afterthought for a lot of Americans, right? So like the Iraq war, the Afghanistan, the, the war in Afghanistan, they went on for such a long time, but, and they were not favorable by any means, but it was not like there were, there was this like threat of nuclear war all the time or something like that. Um, and, you know, if you look at World War II, for instance, there was like Pearl Harbor and, um, you know, there were, there was a draft and a lot of people were living in a constant state of fear and anxiety about the events of the war. But anyway, the reason I bring it up is like, we have this cycle that exists where there's like a moment of prosperity over maybe, I don't know, a 10 to 30 year period of time or so, maybe even less, uh, where we just have like, you know, this, this prosperity, people are starting to buy homes. Um, they're starting to increase their standard of living. And then something happens um, over time where the economy isn't growing where it needs to be. People start to get upset about the way that life is going. And then eventually the anger leads to some kind of bubbling up and then some kind of revolution. I'm not saying that this is going to happen in the States, but like I do keep track of things that are happening, even though I try not to. And you just have all of these like crazy things that are happening at the same time right now, where you have the rise of AI and theoretically the rise of unemployment where people are just going to be displaced. Then you have um, a crazy situation with displaced and homeless people who don't have anywhere to live. So they're camping on the streets and their camp settlements are in juxtaposition to some of the wealthiest areas in the United States, some of the biggest cities. And it just seems that the United States government isn't doing anything to try to fix that problem. And so anger is just rising, fear is rising, and you have like this very potent cocktail that, yeah, could set things off at any time. That's how it feels. So it's weird because you know, you have this utopia on one side and then you have a, clat- a cataclysmic event on the other side. And it's kind of difficult to predict. Nobody can, but d- 
difficult to predict where things are going to be in like the next five to 10 years. Are more people going to be um, unemployed, but paid? So kind of universal basic income, is that going to be the route? Or is it going to just be complete chaos? And, and these AI companies are just going to earn billions of dollars a year and not have to pay taxes uh, in a proportionate way. And one of the things that Mo Gadot said in this interview was that he thinks that AI companies should be taxed 98% and that the money that they generate should be like that the 98% should be distributed um, to pay salaries for people that are displaced amongst other things. But yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I mean, honestly, um, anything could happen between now and you know, the next five years. My hope though, is that more and more people kind of wake up to the fact that their lives are for now, at least completely finite and we have no control in most cases over how we die. But what we do have control over is how we live and making decisions that are aligned with our long-term interests. And I think that there's like a lot of room for us right now to just reconsider if we're living life the way that we want to be. Because we had like this first wave of reconsideration during COVID where for the first time in our lives ever, maybe even in human history, we were forced to stay inside with our thoughts and actually think about the things that made us happy. And I know a lot of people who made changes during that time. The thing was, though, it was not very easy to uh, move around during COVID. And there was so much fear that it didn't really like feel like we had like, like there, like there wasn't a gun to our heads. Um, because we, we had like a very limited amount of time that we could actually consider, um, these changes for, I mean, we had two years, but we didn't know how long it was going to be. So because of that, I think a lot of people were hesitant to make big changes, not knowing if they were going to be able to find another job. And so, yeah, now we have this time after COVID. A lot of people are still reconsidering where they want to be. You have like all of these trends of people that are moving away from big cities and they're moving towards smaller cities or the suburbs or other countries where it's cheaper to live and a tiny box of blueberries doesn't cost $8 like it does in my mom's town, probably costs more now. So yeah, who knows what's going to happen with people. I think people are very unpredictable in certain ways and very predictable in other ways. Uh, unpredictable because you don't know if them having um, guaranteed income, if that's going to actually help them or hurt them. I, I could imagine arguments on both sides. I could imagine people saying, well, if you have basic income and you don't have to work, maybe your life is going to be easier. Maybe you're going to have more fun, spend more time with your family and your friends. But on the other hand, I know a lot of people that derive um, a sense of pleasure and pride from the work that they do. And I would actually argue that it's a very basic human instinct to work, 
and to want to produce and build. And if you if you pretty much tell people that they don't have to do that anymore, I wonder if it's going to create a level of comfort that will actually hinder us rather than helping us. Um, rather than help us. And yeah, that's just a, a fear that I have. But I guess, you know, my guess is as good as anybody else's. Um, we'll just see some changes happening really quickly in the next few years. The other thing that I wanted to talk about, I mean, eventually I will have guests on here to talk about subjects that are really interesting to me. But um, I guess the other thing that I wanted to talk about is just like the, what I had kind of alluded to before um, with vulnerability. So I think as, as like our, like, not our children, like, I don't have kids yet, but, like, as people that are, like, very young right now, um, children right now, as they are getting older and kind of, like, starting to, like, move into the world, I think that there is going to be a growing demand for authenticity from people that are children right now. So, in, like, the next 20 years, I think the people who stand to benefit the most financially and commercially are going to be individuals and brands that speak the way that they actually feel. So if it's a brand that doesn't actually care about social causes at all, maybe they're, you know, just a, maybe they're just a company and that's all they want to be. Maybe they don't put um, like um, a Facebook banner for pride or for black history month or for uh, women's, uh, like, I don't know. I don't know what the months are, but I know that those are two of the months that we celebrate. I have a feeling that if companies don't adhere to the things that they're expected to do, that that authenticity will carry into the consumers of that brand. And I think we've reached this point now where we've just seen so many brands that are doing and saying things that they clearly don't believe in, but that they have somebody internally who is creating these directives that are designed to try to appeal to the masses. And then it backfires in their face when they behave in a way publicly that doesn't actually align with what their what their stance is. And we can say the same thing about individuals as well. You see it happen all the time where a politician will say that they believe in X, Y, and Z. After they get elected, a scandal comes out and it's revealed that all along they've been doing X, Y, and Z. So it's really important that we become more confident in ourselves and more comfortable being vulnerable and just admitting like, if we don't have the answers to things, that's okay. We don't have to know everything. I don't know shit about AI. I don't know shit about a lot of things. Um, But what I do know is that I have a strong desire to learn. I have strong discipline to set a set aside time to educate myself and i'm good at enabling myself by finding like tools that will help me speed things up a bit so it's just something that i you know i'm interested in talking about um but it's not necessarily something that i would want um to write a book about so i think we just need to get a little bit more um comfortable with ourselves and 
maybe just become more more okay with the idea that we're not expected to know everything and the people that say that they do are probably the people that we should avoid at all costs because it's really difficult to know a lot about a lot of things um but you can definitely you can definitely convince people that you know enough about things by just knowing like the basic facts like knowing like the a handful of facts so that's just something um you know, to be aware of, like, if you're not an expert, it's really difficult to tell who is and who is not an expert in a subject, which is why you have like these videos on YouTube of, you know, self-made millionaires in quotes, who are driving Ferraris that they probably rented and doing and saying things that um, did not actually earn them the money that they may or may not have. Um, And that's, you know, that's just a fact of the matter. So if we can just like as brands and as people do a better job of branding ourselves by just like doing and saying the things that we actually believe, I think that we'll be more successful and able to stand out from the crowd. And there are some people that do a good job of this, I think, you know, people that have built a good reputation um, for just being themselves, whether you like or you you hate them, you know, I think controversy is kind of like polarization is kind of important when it comes to developing a personal brand, because if you, if you aren't polarizing, like you're not saying things that might make people disagree with you, then you're probably not going to say anything that will make you stand out. But if you just are kind of like yourself and you're honest, you know, you as your own self with your own thoughts, you probably are a quite polarizing person. Um, unless you're super agreeable, but like if you're having conversations with people, I'm sure that there are times where you disagree with them on a one-to-one level and then you'll have like some kind of debate or disagreement. Well, I think polarization is just saying what you really believe and recognizing that there are going to be people that you don't know that might disagree with you and that's okay. But I think you just need to kind of accept that and try to like break free from it because that was something that like always held me back myself. Like I was always worried that I would post something online and then somebody would like disagree with me or like talk shit to me. And it's happened a couple times now with, um, out with like emails that I've sent, like cold emails for my business. But when it happens, even though it annoys me, I don't, I try not to like respond to those kinds of things. So you know, I've had people say something like AI is going to replace you. Someone wrote me that and I was like, and I wanted to respond, but then I thought about it and I was like, it's really not worth it. And like once, once you let it go, you realize like it's so insignificant and it's not my problem that somebody else isn't happy. I could only really worry about myself and the people that I care about directly and kind of just like let the rest go. So I feel like this episode has been kind of a little bit all over the place. You know, we've covered relationships, we've covered AI, um, and we've covered just like vulnerability in general, but just kind of like as like a, a way of tying it all together. You know, these are topics that really interest me and that I think about and I journal about all the time. And I don't want to have to be an expert on something to be able to contribute to the conversation. 
But I think it's only fair to just say, you know, these are my own personal experiences and my own opinions. And I'm not stuck. You know, if somebody came and presented information to me, I would need to, I would need, not want, but need to see it because I would, I would desire to have all the information before I would make up my mind about something. So, um, yeah, maybe I can get a guest on here at some point in the next couple months or so. Someone who is some kind of expert on some topic. Um, I don't really care what the topic is. As long as it's not horses, I'm really not a fan of them. And I also find that people that are obsessed with horses are kind of like not the people that I want to spend my time with. No offense, but uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe I can find somebody who's like an expert in anything. And if you are an expert in something or you like talking about something, why don't you just hit me up? You could just be on the podcast. I can give you a fake name if you want. I won't even tell my friends who you were. So I can just, let's just say your name is Jack Stevens. I'll just call you Henry Porter. What if your name was Melissa Cunning, Cunningham? I don't think Cunning's last name. Melissa Cunningham, I'll change your name to Sarah Burns. See? It's that easy. Anyway, I'm going to jump off my balcony, and I hope that you guys enjoy your day, and uh, hopefully you got some sort of value from this, and if you didn't, (laughs) that's okay. Um, I will keep putting out new episodes and trying to get better with each of them as I go. All right, guys. Peace.